The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody, and welcome to my program, Afternoons with Mike, right here on the Shepherd Radio Network, back in Orlando today. And uh, that's where I'm coming to you from after the trip. Thank you all for those who had prayed for us during the time of my mom's passing, but we were able to uh, be with a lot of people up in Indiana and did a lot of my programs up there last week. So now I'm back and I'm on the line today with a, a young man that is an apologist who has a lot of experience in sharing the gospel and studying the gospel. Brandon Cleaver, welcome to my program. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. You know, it's a, it's a, a pleasure and both a privilege uh, to just be invited on your, on your program. Uh, and I'll receive that young man comment. I'll receive that <laughs> in, in every single uh, uh, sense of it. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, you know, I'm 69, Brandon, so everybody is young to me. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You could be in your 50s and I'll still call you a young man. That's great. Oh, it's oh, so great well, to have you on the line. And I know that uh, you and I have many shared acquaintances, as we've already found, and yes. uh, you you worked for a number of years for a ministry that we all loved. Uh, the radio show Let My People Think by Ravi Zacharias was on the Shepherd Radio, and you actually worked for RZIM for years yes. as a part of a big team. I mean, you guys had a major team of not only apologists, but evangelists, people who worked not only in America, but around the world, sharing the gospel. And, uh, you know, so it's, I know you had many, many, many wonderful stories, but first of all, tell us about your own story. How did you come to know the Lord and what part of the country did you come from? Yes, yes, thank you. Um, so I'm from Detroit, Michigan, uh, you know, born, born and raised uh, here, and I'm, I'm still in, uh, I live in a, a small township right outside of Detroit now, uh, but still in the area. And uh, yeah, so so born and raised here, and I grew up in a family where, uh, we, you know, we prayed, uh, prayed constantly, and, and blessed our food and all that kind of stuff. But um, we went to church, but we're sort of nominal churchgoers, mm -hmm. and so and so I started going to church on a more regular basis with my cousin and his family uh, at a small uh, Black Baptist church on the east side of Detroit. Uh, called Bethel Baptist East, and it was around the age of uh, about 12 or 13 um, that, you know, uh, the Lord just touched my heart, and um, and uh, I, I, I uh, got baptized, mm. and so, um, but again, not in my immediate family, we weren't sort of, you know, hardcore churchgoers, and so as I transitioned to to college um i went to michigan state university and majored in journalism and minored in sociology um i always believed that jesus was who he claimed to be um but i didn't believe in him i wasn't placing my trust and my faith in him and so he was my savior but he wasn't the lord of my life mm -hmm. and so that 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 difference made made you know, as I reflect on that time, that was the difference in how I acted a lot during that time. Not that I was a bad person or whatever, but, you know, as it says in Judges, I was sort of doing what was right in my own eyes yeah. <laughs> for for a number of times. Maybe, maybe I'm sure maybe your listeners could uh, empathize <laughs> with that. I think there's well. a lot of people doing that. <laughs> They're repeating Judges today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so um, after college, um, I, uh, well, during college, I, I met a young lady and then we, um, we kind of broken up and then after college gotten back together and I ended up having, uh, my first son. And so, um, I didn't know my father growing up. I'd only met him once, uh, when I was a sports reporter, uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. And so for me, once that reality came, I, I could only think about, I had my stepfather who I love, 
Um, but my biological father, I did not know. Mm. And so for me, it was always this pain and this hurt and this feeling of loneliness and abandonment from him. In fact, it was always hard when, when the Lord, in the Lord's prayer, the first two words, our father, it was always hard for me to say that because the word father felt so foreign to me. Oh, that's And so, so for me, I felt like the only way that I could be the type of father um, that I that my father wasn't to me was that if I was in his life, you know, a hundred percent of the time, as much as possible. And although I didn't want to uh, marry uh, this young lady at the time, um, I thought that that was the only thing, you know, to do. So we end up getting married and within a year, it just, it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. So you're going through, you know, child custody and, and divorce and things like that. And I remember, so one day, Mike, I was in the shower and this was before iPods and all that kind of stuff became, you know, the, uh, the, the preferred medium. I was listening to an old school radio and I don't remember the station I had on. I certainly didn't mean to have on any type of religious station at that time. Not that I was, I was not religious, but that just wasn't my intent. Mm hmm but a sermon came on by the late pastor Adrian Rogers of Love Worth Finding Ministries. Oh my goodness, he's on our radio station so. On he the is. Yeah, on the weekend his he passed away obviously many years ago, but his yes. radio ministry lives on. Yes, yes, he is incredible and he continues to be yeah, every time I get a chance to tell someone about Pastor Adrian Rogers and and that ministry I tell them. <laughs> so but a sermon by him came on and it's entitled the cup mm. and you can still find this sermon on YouTube. If anyone wants to check it out, it's just entitled the cup. And it was about the narrative of uh, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And this is a, a story that I'd heard many, many times over the years. And it, you know, it's a powerful story, but it didn't at that time have any like personal um, sort of strong relevancy but the way that Pastor Adrian Rogers described the type of sins that was in that proverbial cup that Jesus reluctantly took on on our behalf, it just struck a chord with me by ne like never before. And I remember saying to myself, like, wait, that's my sin. Mm -hmm. And that's my sin. And that's my sin. And I've had many um, – the church I grew up in, like I said, it's a Baptist church. It wasn't – like explicitly like charismatic, but I do have some charismatic friends who've talked about having experiences with the Holy Spirit and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I had never thought too much about it. And I had never certainly had like an explicit experience, but only thing I can describe next was like an experience with the Holy Spirit, because I felt like almost a wave mm -hmm. hit me. I was in the shower and I fell to my knees and I just started crying incessantly. And until the water got like freezing cold and I was just talking, just praying to God. And I don't remember a lot of what I said, but the very last thing I said was, God, I've been doing things my own way. Please take hold of my life and do what, do with it what you will. That's the only thing mm -hmm. I remember what I said. And um, God can take you very seriously. <laughs> he took me in a direction that I had not, I, I had, would never have dreamed of myself. And if he had told me, I would have been too scared to go down that pathway. Right. You know, so, that is uh, it's yeah. a great story to hear how the, the Lord touched you right in that unexpected moment. I mean, it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to have a book about people's locations where God spoke to them. For you, it was yeah. in the middle of a cold, what turned out to be a, a cold shower. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you ran all the hot water out, my man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you know, you know, I appreciate you asking me this because I remember... And I know we'll probably get into some of the ministry stuff in a minute here, but when I first felt the calling to go into ministry, I balked at it. I felt like I felt like uh, Jonah running away because I said, Lord, I don't want to tell people that, you know, I went through a divorce. That's embarrassing. I know now, starting to having started to really read the Bible and understand God's heart on a lot of these matters, I know how divorce grieves you. You know, mm -hmm. and so I don't want to get up in front of people and have to tell that story. But I just remember like feeling like he was saying to me, like, do you trust me? Like, do you trust me? And thankfully, um, you know, the Lord, um, I have, I have uh, four, four kids now. We can talk about that later. But um, 
the Lord redeemed the relationship of of me and uh, my son's uh, my first son's mother, uh, and that we're not together, but we're we're the best of friends. And Braden has only ever known us to be great friends, mm. and so um, there is redemption in that. And he's at the age now; he's almost thirteen, where I I have the conversation with him to tell him like divorce is not part of God's plan, but he also has this grace and mercy. And he realizes that we make mistakes and we make bad choices. And the question for us then is, how are we going to seek to, um, to, seek to get reconciliation with anyone who, we, who we've hurt and also with him mm-hmm. through those, those, bad, uh, those, those bad choices? And so it's a learning experience uh, for him of, of God's mercy and grace as well. You know, years ago, I heard someone say something that's really meaningful and very helpful, talking about how that our ability to forgive one another is so much greater when we can realize the things that we have been forgiven of ourselves by God. And and that is a marvelous thing. And I think your son has tasted that as well. And it it really goes a long way to help him and will help him as he grows up to realize that in his own life, he's going to fail others too, but he can remember how easy it can be to forgive somebody else if when he looks at the grace of God in his own life and realizes how much God has forgiven him of, that's going to help him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's helped you too. Yes. Uh, how about your call to ministry? Uh, along all of these ways, you go from this marvelous conversion and go from uh, a nominal church goer to someone that's had a, a real experience with the, uh, the living God. And that's really what you're describing. And uh, yes. man, I, I believe it. I believe that God speaks in those ways and overwhelms us in those wonderful ways, as did he you. But uh, how did you go from there to then having a heart for ministry? Yes. Well, so I, um, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think what was the next. <laughs> so as many of your listeners uh, could probably remember, like when you, you know, you, you have this incredible zeal when you first come to the Lord and he captures your heart. And um, so I had this zeal and I was just on fire for the Lord. I'm reading the Bible every day and I want to talk to everybody about you know, this experience I had and, you know, how the Lord can do so many things, incredible things in their lives. And so I'm starting to do ministry at, at, uh, at church. I joined the, uh, Stephen ministry, um, which if, if, uh, people aren't familiar with that, it's a, um, international ministry of lay people where we, you go through extensive training, uh, to walk through various crises with people, uh, in a, in a Christ-like way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was, that was an incredible experience. Um, so I'm doing all these things and then I'm getting ready to go on a missions trip. And then out of nowhere, I'm playing basketball one day and my Achilles snaps. Oh, wow. That had to be painful. Yes, it was. (laughs) And shocking. And, but more than the physical pain, it was the emotional pain because I was really looking forward to that missions trip. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Lord, why in the world would you let this happen to me? Like I'm trying to go, you know, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to go preach your word. I'm trying to, you know, essentially fulfill the, do my part to fulfill the great commission and these types of things. Why would you let this happen to me, Lord? And Mike, you know what it did? It forced me to sit down and really not only read the Bible, but study. And then also in doing that, I remember another day, I feel like my stories always include like a radio, uh, <laughs> a radio station. So I had on the radio and uh, this guy named Hank Hanegraaff comes on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hank Hanegraaff was the uh, the current Bible answer man. Uh, the, the original Bible answer man was Walter Martin, of course. And he introduced me to this term called apologetics. And I was like, what in the world is this? What is Christian apologetics? What am I what do I need to apologize for? And, and so, of course, uh, for those who may not know, apologetics has to do with the defense and the communication of the, mm-hmm. the Christian faith. Uh, it comes from the Greek word apologia uh, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 3.15. So, um, so from there, it was like a whole new world opened up to me because I had no idea that there was such 
staunch reasons, grounded reasons behind our faith. And so I wanted to delve into this more because growing up in Detroit and being um, African-American, um, you know, I had always had different questions and different, there's unique questions that came from my cultural experience too, you know, um, that, that people had concerns about Christianity. I'm sure people have heard the question, is Christianity, you know, the white man's religion and all these types of other things, um, you know, that, that naturally came from, from my uh, unique uh, um, racial and ethnic background. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I found out about this apologetics program at Biola University, a certificate program. And so I did the certificate program, it was about a year, and I just started praying, like, Lord, should I, should I go further in this? And um, I, just, I, just, I just felt, you know, the calling to go, to go further. So I did pursue a master's of apologetics degree. And, and so I did that. And all the while, I'm, you know, in my church, I'm starting to speak and do, um, have you heard of the Alpha program? Oh, yes, absolutely. Out of England originally. Yes, yes. So I started doing that and sort of cutting my teeth with doing more speaking and, uh, you know, those types of things. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's how I got into uh, apologetics. You know, that whole thing of apologetics, it's so incredible. And it's sad, isn't it, that so many in our country today really aren't, are still unfamiliar with the term and unfamiliar with what, what it's all about. But you're right. It's basically just defending what we believe and knowing how to answer knowing how to answer somebody if they say, well, why does, why is it like this? And the ability to help people understand the word of God, uh, you're making a defense for the gospel in spite of all of the, and in the face of all of the other types of arguments that can come up against it. And boy, we're living in a culture right now that would uh, present plenty of those arguments, right? Right, right. And, and what I don't want people to think is that oftentimes you know, when you see someone, and, I, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone else, you have a, a speaker that you, you've really enjoyed his or hers work and really been personally edified by it. You see them up on that stage and you're just like, wow, this person is so incredible. They've done so much studying and all this type of things. And maybe you feel like I could never reach, attain that, you know, whatever. But apologetics isn't about going and getting a master's. It's not about going to school or having this desire to read these 400 page books on philosophy. <laughs> That's part of it. But God has given us all as his witnesses. Um, we all have different contexts in which we can answer people's questions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for some people, it may be ministering to your next door neighbor and answering whatever questions they have to the best of your abilities. And then having the humility to say, you know, that's a great question. I'm not sure, but I'll get back to you on that. Right. You know, um, and for us other people, maybe it is doing it in a more professional uh, setting where you're writing books or where you're speaking on college campuses and things like that. So neither one is more important than the other. Uh, I think it's just the importance of us recognizing that as witnesses of Jesus Christ, that we know uh, and that we're ready to talk to people about him and about the uh, the truth, the beauty, and the goodness of, of the Christian faith when we get those opportunities. That's beautiful. I'm up against a break right now. My guest today is Brandon Cleaver, an apologist, a minister, and we'll be back with Brandon in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Back again here on Afternoons with Mike. My guest today is Brandon Cleaver. Brandon Cleaver from Detroit, and Brandon is an apologist. He worked for many years with RZIM, that would be Ravi Zacharias's ministry, that was a flourishing, even up until the time that things kind of fell apart. Uh, it was one of, if not the most important, it was certainly was one of the top apologist ministries in the world, not just even in America, but in the world. Of course, Ravi himself was uh, was from another country, and the way God used him for so many years, and uh, it is sad. We know that there were some things that kind of, again, caused the wheels to fall off of that. But uh, during that time frame, I'll never forget 
the 2018 event that I was able to be part of in Gainesville at the Exact Tech Arena when that place was packed out. In fact, people, it was to capacity. People couldn't get in. People, the traffic was so bad, people couldn't get around. And, and uh, you know, I kind of in my own heart, Brandon, refused to uh, disavow. I know that there were a lot of things that were wrong and probably should have been talked about even then, but uh, I am grateful for the eternal things that uh, have happened that still go on in spite of one man's failure and one uh, one egregious sin that that he was a part of that that part does not undo all of the good that you and the team members for RZIM did. I'm just grateful for you, my man. Well, thank you, thank you so much, and um, you know I, I appreciate those kind words. You know I I have many women and men on the RZIM team. You mentioned earlier. Mike, in the first segment that there was, it's, it's a, it's a, the team was just a vast array of people. And before joining RZIM, I had no idea the size and scope of the team. I mean, I had, I was only aware of pretty much the, the U S team, which was about, a, a, about a dozen of us. And then a couple of people overseas, but, you know, I remember we had a, a global um, meeting and I'm like, man, we have people in Russia. We have people in various Asian uh, countries, in Africa, in in the Middle East, there's people everywhere, um, all with the same goal of uh, of just talking about about Jesus, answering questions, you know, trying to do their best to to uh, show the uh, just the importance and the the uh, uh, the viability of of the Christian worldview. So the, the team was 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 vast, and um, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a great team to be a part of. You know, we're living in a time right now. Speaking of worldview, we're living in a time where the, the Christian worldview is almost completely disavowed by the mainstream media. I mean, it it is truly like they are so against anything having to do with God, anything having to do with Jesus. Uh, you know, the whole divide that's going on with. Uh, even preaching from the word on some media spaces can get you completely canceled out. And we're seeing that happen time and time again in media right now. But the thing that's so sad, this one thing that the Bible talks about that believers should have one with another, believers especially should have this, and that's unity. But we are living in a time that that unity is is really at risk and and broken in so many ways. I did not know Brandon until we be we were talking and and you mentioned some things that you were from a, a basically a, a, ba- a you said a black Baptist church and then you said you're African American and you know I when I heard the name Brandon Cleaver and everything that you'd done it didn't matter to me. I didn't even think, well, I wonder if Brandon is black. That thought never happened to me. And it, it, it's just, it doesn't, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't to anyone, right? I mean, that well, is, that is something that I just don't get. And I wish, I wish that there weren't this cultural divide that's happening in America that seemingly, to me anyway, it seems that it's gotten worse instead of getting better these last few years. And the media this this would be a, a profound opinion I have. The media is one of the complicit reasons for that because so much is made and so much is said. And then there are politicians who have said they were going to u- unite us and by their actions, though, further divide. Would yeah. that be your feeling? Yes. I, I think everything that you said there is, is so right where, you know, unity is that, that that's the key word especially for believers, because we can't expect, and um, I'm, I'm blanking right now on the specific Bible verse, I believe it's in uh, John, but, you know, we can't expect for the outside world to know and to love Jesus if we ourselves aren't unified. That's right. And there's a lot of disunity uh, within the body of Christ itself. I mean, we're described as a body, you know, with many members, you know, um, and so that assumes an interconnectedness that we all uh, should have even in our our, our differences, whether it be uh, racial and ethnic backwards uh, uh, differences or our cultural differences. And so, for me personally, Mike, I think that we all bring our 
different experiences, our different backgrounds to bear on how we minister. Um, that's the beautiful contextualization, I think, of, of, of the gospel. And Paul talks about in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, that he, he uses this phrase called a ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, I've always thought that that was, like, in, even in apologetics, you know, some people like to focus on history. Some people like to focus on science. There's all these different ways that, that uh, you know, some people focus on morality and the moral argument. Um, for me, reconciliation was always at the key of what I want to do, being sort of a bridge between cultures, uh, you know, and also being a bridge of, um, of, of, of unity within, within the body of Christ. Right. And so there, there was this quote by uh, Dr. Bano van den Turen um, in, his, uh, in one of his books on apologetics. He said, in the mirror of discovery of the strangeness of others, we ourselves also change. That's wow. always really resonated with <laughs> That's me. That's a great thought. Yeah, because it assumes that we're reflecting. It is a humility in it that we're reflecting our. Um, we're, 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 we're reflecting the fact that we see that there are differences among us. And when we have an appreciation about that, we ourselves change because the, the fact of the matter is we always come with with uh, preconceptions that are often wrong and, and need to be uh, dispelled. Um, and it's through that intentional communication and relationship that we can forge some real uh, unity. So, yes, I think the word that you use, Mike, unity is, is so important, not only for the culture, but also the church as well. You know, the church has been, I think, in often uh, places uh, around the world, asleep at the wheel. That's that's what we've been. We've let things continue to divide when we should have been standing up and fighting for our brothers and sisters who might be a little different from the standpoint of background or the color of skin or none of those things. I I wrote a song years ago, and I love the fact that you brought up how meaningful reconciliation is. And uh, the the song that the Lord gave me, I wrote this song, and it was uh, the only song, really, the only worship song I ever wrote that was published, but it talked about uh, giving us one heart, uh, loving one another, make us one heart uh, that we could serve together with each other, regardless of the color of our skin. Uh, mm. Let us show the love of God within. So those were the, some of the lyrics in that, that uh, the fact is that he gave his blood for all, all of us, regardless, yes. regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of our ethnicity. He is the Lord of all. And that's one of the main key things that I, I agree with you, that the Lord wants. The Bible says that they shall know us by our love, not by these other markers or divisions. We should have love, and that, that's just an encompassing, multicultural thing. And I, I just think it's, it's awesome that brothers can be together who are from different backgrounds and different ethnicities, but the love of God draws us into unity if we are walking in step with him. Yes, and it's one it's one thing for us to know, to have the knowledge that we are eternal brothers and we are eternal sisters. But my question would be, my, my constant question to myself and my question to the listeners would be, do we act like that? Do right. we act like this person, although we might not be blood relatives, we are, this is a part of our eternal family, and we're connected in a more important, eternally important way than any other factor in our society. Mm-hmm. So do we act like that, even in our disagreements? You know, um, I think I think it's something that, you know, we, we constantly need to be thinking about, praying about, and being intentional about uh, putting a good foot forward towards, um, you know, in our in our everyday interactions with not only people in society, but but uh, I'll say almost more importantly, you know, our brothers and sisters within within the church. You know, there's so many different prejudices that are happening, and it seems like there's a factory producing the different types of them. But I mean, one <laughs> of the things that I've recently heard about, and it's marvelous to me, I was uh, at, down at the D6 conference, and I was able to interview uh, a man that spent many years in the Middle East. 
and he basically had an apologetic ministry to Muslim. And there's so the the whole feelings of so many of Americans would be against all people who are from that part of the world. And there's almost like because of the radical sense, and there are there is that nasty sense of of evil that is alive today in in some parts of radical. Uh, the Muslim, but but there are many people who believe that, who who were walked out of that, that are open for the gospel, and in fact, there is a great number of people who are from Muslim background coming to the Lord right now, and I'm sure you've seen that up close. Yes, yes, I have, and I have, I have, um, you know, some close some close friends who have ministries, particularly toward uh, the Middle Eastern uh, community, and actually being up here in Detroit, Michigan. I actually, my, my church is in Dearborn. Um, and for those who don't know, Dearborn has the highest per capita uh, Muslim population in the entire United States. Mm. So uh, we actually, when I used to work, um, so before I joined RZIM, I, I worked on campus as uh, a co-chapter director of Ratio Christi, which is a, a, a campus um a campus ministry, kind of like crew or intervarsity, mm-hmm. uh, but Ratio Christi uh, is Latin for reasons for Christ. So it's the apologetics version of those um, of those ministries. And we put on one of the things that we did. We put on a debate between um, the late Dr. Nabil Qureshi and Dr. Shabir Ali on Trinity versus Taweed. These two important. Um, doctrines of christianity and of islam and you can still find it on, on youtube now uh and it, it went off it, it it was it was fantastic it was it was great uh, but yes I, I think that um the ministry to our middle eastern uh friends is is, is so important uh, just like it is to, to many other cultures as well it really is it's so important and i believe you know i need to always be watching my own heart i think that every one of us you know, I used that phrase earlier, a factory. Uh, you know, we, we know that our, our hearts are idle factories, as it has been said. Uh, and it is so true. I mean, we can create <laughs> wrong things to love and worship uh, very easily. It just comes natural to humans. But one of the things that we need to really be aware of, and I pray that the church is awakening during this is that we need to be calling out to say, God, I believe that your power, I believe that the gospel message is strong enough and able enough and far-reaching enough to reach into the different cultures, regardless of what our experience has been or what our thoughts have been about that culture. And I am grateful. I heard that report down at the D6, and I thought, God, please bring revival to these Muslim people who are hearing the gospel of Jesus change hearts and may we one day all be in heaven worshiping the lord together yes and you know that word revival is so important and even what you said i'm connecting that with what you previously said about guarding your heart i think that's that's such a key factor in what we're trying to do because you know even with apologetics we have to watch ourselves i I tell this all the time to like young apologists like when you first get into this, you're going to hear all these arguments and you're going to you're going to be thinking to yourself, it's no way that atheism can stand up to these arguments or whatever. Right. Um, but we have to watch our posture and make sure our posture is first one of love. Love is the I was, I was when I was driving to drop my son off uh, at school the other day. and We were talking about some things with the Bible. You know, I asked him, I said, I said, Brayden, you know, what are what are the, the two greatest commandments that Jesus talked about? And he said, well, you know, loving, love God as, uh, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I said, what's the what's the the first word that starts off both of those commandments? He said love. Mm-hmm. I said that is what is going to be what defines us, because in Colossians chapter three, verse 14, it says that beyond all things put on love, which is the perfect, the perfect bond of unity. And mm-hmm. I remember one sociologist, I think it was Mark Knoll, um, in one of his books that kind of blends sociology and history, he recounted this time of two, um, there was two plagues going on. And um, I'm sorry, I, I can't remember the name of the plagues right now, 
but he said that during this period of time, we saw the greatest number of people coming to accept Christ at any other given time. Isn't that because, something? Because when everyone else was fleeing the area because of those plagues, Christians stayed there to care for so many people, and they put themselves in harm's way. It mm. was love. Arguments are important. Reasons are important. But love is what's ultimately going to capture someone's heart for the Lord. I agree. And, you know, at the end of the day, love is going to win. Whether we think about it or, or, or maybe question it, God's going to win because we've read the chapter of the book at the close, and love yeah. is going to be there. And if we can see that, if we could, I think that, that the, the church in America could be so much more happy, so much more settled. If we could settle down and say, you know, wait a minute now, I know all this is going on, and yeah, Twitter's canceling people, and blah, blah, blah. All of these things are happening. It's true, but at the end of the day, God is still on the throne, and his word is still real, and it doesn't matter right now. He's going to see us through, and we've got to believe that. We've got to do it, and we've got to hang on for Christian unity. We've got to believe that and not not feel all of the tension that the media wants us to feel because I think that causes us to lose our vision. It causes us to take our eyes off of the Lord and onto the problems at hand. Brandon Cleaver is my guest. I'm going to be back with him for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you are on The Shepherd. Enjoying my chat today on the line with Brandon Cleaver. He's from Detroit, and uh, one of the uh, main things that um, my friend Bob Shetler, uh, who introduced Brandon to JC, Derek, and so that's how we've kind of come through the loop of getting to meet one another. It's through Bob and through JC, and those two guys connected you and me together, and I'm so grateful for that. Up in uh, Detroit, and you, again, for those that may have just tuned in late, Worked for years, for a number of years, a couple of years, with RZIM. That was an apologetic ministry that uh, was led by Ravi Zacharias. And sadly, Ravi's, uh, he passed away in 18, I believe it was. And then it was shortly thereafter that some things came out and it was difficult. And it's just so sad because so many great people like Brandon, you were affected by that. And, you know, anytime a leader falls... It's 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 always picked up. It's always noted. It's always big deal. The secular press tries to make it a bigger deal than what it is. But we know we are all human, and humans fail. And I, I've just you know recently finished reading through all of the Kings and Chronicles again. And you talk about failure. It's it's been a, a, a part of every leader's lives, and it was in the Bible, and it still is today. Sadly. But uh, that does not mean there's not a real thing that's going on. And, buddy, I believe you're part of the real deal, and I'm grateful for that. Well, thank, thank you. You're, you're totally right, Mike. I mean, throughout the Bible, it's, it's littered with uh, nuanced figures, figures who have both had um, very bad failures mm-hmm. and have done some things that God saw as very laudable as well. And so, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying that to excuse um, anything, in any, um, any wrongdoing, any harm uh, to, uh, you know, not, not fully account for the pain that victims have felt. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just more pointing out the fact that you're, you're right. Um, people are, um, people are, are, are both purveyors of good and also harbingers of, of harm at times. And that's why we need uh, the Lord God to, to help to change our hearts and change our minds to ones that, that seek to do uh, good and, and uh, bring more people to him to have a, a reconciling relationship with him. Well, it is beautiful to see what happens when the Lord does that. And, and you know, out of, I, I, there are leaders in my life from my background that failed not only me personally, but failed the church uh, really graphically. Uh, some of them were moral failures. Some of them were really just failures of integrity in other areas. But, you know, that does not mean that what they said and everything that they said was not true. Uh, because those that, that preach the Bible, the Bible, even if its messengers are, are messy and, 
and like you said, I like that term littered with sin. Uh, the Bible itself is pure. The Bible itself is right. It's the word of God and the ideal that God has given every one of us to look for. Well, I'm just grateful that it's not my own efforts that's going to save me in the end. It's going to be the fact that there was one who was perfect. There is one who is perfect and is still alive today. And I'm grateful for the faith that we can have in Jesus because it's in him that we have hope and not in, not in us, right? Yes. Amen. Amen. So what are you doing now today in, the, in your life right now? How is God using you and your love for apologetics and sharing the gospel? Yes. Well, earlier you mentioned, you know, what's kind of what's going on in society with a lot of the uh, dis, disunity. And, and a lot of that is grounded in misinformation, disinformation, and all sorts of, of, of confusion. And so I'm a part of an organization. Uh, so the, the broad organization is called the One America Movement. And the One America Movement works with faith communities of all different kinds around the nations on helping them to navigate these issues that can be cause toxic polarization and division, not only in our country, in our congregations. And so from the One America Movement, there's a special initiative. We have two special initiatives. And the one that I serve as program director over is called the Matthew 5-9 Fellowship. And Matthew 5-9 is, of course, rooted in the beatitude of Jesus that blessed are the peacemakers, are, for they will be uh, children of, uh, of God. So um, we really focus on that active element of peace, being a peacemaker, not merely a peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. And so I, I work with uh, evangelical pastors and Christian leaders around the nation. We even have a member up in Alaska. <laughs> um, I'm trying to get a member down in, in Hawaii so I can go visit there. Right. So that, that would be wonderful. <laughs> now, up in Alaska, he would be a member of God's Frozen Chosen up there, right? That that has to <laughs> yes. be. I like that. I like that. <laughs> um, but yes, yes. So we, we work with uh, pastors and Christian leaders around the nation on just helping them to navigate these topics that can be just really harmful and cause division and that toxic polarization. So that can be anything from a lot of pastors were um, uh, with COVID going on and you had half the congregation, you know, wanting to mandate masks, the other not wanting it. Like they felt like, you know, they were in a a hard spot. That's a toxic polarizing issue. That's right. All All the way to the, another, extreme of like the issue the constant issue of race and ethnicity in our in our country and how to navigate that and how to talk about that in a fruitful way uh but also a truthful way you know um and we don't come in and tell people how they should think about those things but what we do is come and settle the ground create this fertile ground to help these conversations to be able to happen and to happen in a fruitful and fulfilling way. That's awesome. Um, Man, that's yeah. good. And so we blend, uh, I'm sorry, I'll say one more quick thing here. We blend biblical principles with the social science to act, so people can understand not only how these top, the, how these talk, uh, excuse me, topics can contribute to toxic polarization, but also how to navigate them in a biblically faithful and, and a Christian way. Now, I like the term toxic that you're using in this context, the polarization that is toxic. What are you thinking right now from your perspective as being one that studied the word as you have and studied apologetics? What is something that uh, um, we believers can do that's going to kind of neutralize this toxicity that's going on right now in our, our world, in our culture? I think that one thing that we can do is recognize that word toxic in front, the phrase toxic polarization is so important because many times people will hear the word polarization and think of it in a negative connotation, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Being polarized is not bad. That's just having like a difference of opinion or whatever. It's when it reaches that level of when those differences become something like personal attacks or whatever that becomes harmful and not and not helpful, not something that can edify us or inform us of how a brother or a sister feels about a topic, you know. Um, so one thing I think that we can do is have an appreciation for 
our differences and, 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 a, and a respect for that and, and be sure that we're being clear about like what's the most important things for us. Is it our political alliances? You know, is it our opinions on, you know, whatever the topic it may be, because politics in general has caused an incredible, an incredible, you know, toxic type of division within within the church, mm-hmm. uh, especially of, 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 of late in the last in the last few uh, few years or so. So um, I, I think that if, if we focus more on what's the most important things and then have an appreciation of those differences, but don't allow those differences to create this toxicity amongst us, that could be that could be uh, helpful going forward. Oh, God, let it be. We need uh, unity. We need to come together. And, uh, you know, we need to realize that uh, the Lord is using even in this day and age. It's so easy, isn't it, to get the eyes off. I mean, when we it, uh, today, the, just this very morning, we got the latest uh, inflation numbers and they're worse than what uh, the news media had tried to act like they were going to be. And these are times where people are struggling without a doubt, and it's a real struggle. But even in these real struggles, in the the divisions that the culture is making, there is still faith at the end of the day. There is still faith because God is still able to move in our lives and bring about. We saw this time and time again in Scripture. And it looked like, how could it be any worse than it was for them? But yet God, I mean, if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you had a pretty bad day when you were thrown into the fiery furnace. That, I, I don't think they were too worried about inflation rates being high. They were thinking more about the temperature of that furnace right then. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, so the question is, is our, to your point, is our perspective one that is caught up in the finite, or do we have an eternal perspective? Yes. I, I remember... Um, Francis Chan, um, he had an illustration and he said, you know, oftentimes we get caught up in the things of this world. And so he was on stage. So people can imagine a a stage, a full stage with a curtain on each side. Mm -hmm. He had a a thick uh, braided rope that went from one side all the way to the other. And at the very end, this, this rope had to be, you know, a hundred feet long or so. At the very end, he had a bit of red tape. And at that red, that part with the red tape was he said, you know, from a biblical perspective, this is our life right now. But this braided rope going past that rope that you can't see, that's eternity. Mm. Our, our finite is this red tape. And so that's not in any way to diminish the pain and the suffering and, and all the, the terrible things that we experience that hope to shape us and sanctify us going forward, but it's to help us to remember that this is not the end. Like Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulations. You know, things will befall you, but take heart. I have overcome this world, Mm -hmm. this world. And so the more that we're able to remember that, particularly in the midst of pain and suffering and times of frustration and confusion and disappointment, the more that we'll be able to act in a uh, a Christian manner uh, in those in those times. Wow, that's awesome! What's twenty twenty two going to be remaining for you? What what are you looking at in your ministry and any trips yeah. in the future? Oh, busy, busy. Well, one of the things I'm most excited about you you brought up our our, our shared buddy J C. Derrick. He's an incredible publisher with the Main Street Daily News, and I recently started as a religious correspondent. Uh, with the Main Street Daily News. Ah, that's awesome. Yes, he's been gracious and kind enough to allow me to scratch some of those old journalism itches (laughs) that I I always have. So I actually started, or we started, a a section called Faith Spotlight, where I interview and literally spotlight a faith leader in the Gainesville area, and so, so far we've, we've only, we've only done one, uh, but that's something I'm looking to do more of and also maybe do some other writing, uh, with main street. So really appreciate Jay Z, and, and his heart, uh, for that. And also with main street daily news, there's a conference coming up called reforming, uh, the reforming journalism project. And it's based in 
the idea of building a community of Christian journalists. Um, it, it can be tough sometimes to, right. to, to be a faithful Christian and be, you know, and be a journalist. And so, you know, I, I and a number of other uh, current and former journalists are going to share our experiences with individuals who we hope who are aspiring journalists, journalists or maybe just just starting out, hopefully to help them uh, to prepare, uh, you know, for that, for that journey ahead. And then one more thing I'll quickly mention is that I've been doing some writing with uh, Our Daily Bread. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, that's a great yes. one. So I have a, in the Juneteenth booklet coming up here, June 19th, I have a devotional uh, in there um, based on the life of, uh, of Phyllis Wheatley. And then I have a couple other uh, devotions, one coming out. They really plan ahead. So yeah. I have one coming out in 2023 and then another one coming out. Um, I'm not sure exactly when that's when that's falling, but somehow sometime between now and, and then. What's your so, website? How can people keep up with you? So my website uh, that I, I need to do a better job of keeping up, but it's acrosscontext.com, uh, acrosscontext.com. You can also feel free to uh, email me at cleaverbrandon at yahoo.com. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about like math, the Matthew 5, 9 fellowship, especially if you're a leader, um, uh, and by leader, I mean paid or volunteer mm-hmm. or pastor, um, and you're battling with these things, you want to know more about it and, and receive some, um, some help from us. Uh, you can email me, um, at Brandon at one America org, And I'd love to, love to talk to you about that. Um, yeah. So those, those, those are some ways you can keep in contact with me. You can also find me on Facebook. I'm not the best social media person, but <laughs> I'd be happy to connect with you on social media. So I'm on uh, Facebook under Brandon, Brandon Wayne Cleaver. That's Brandon Wayne Cleaver. Brandon Cleaver, thank you for being with me. We're out of time, friends. We'll catch you the very next time on Afternoons with Mike.